Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Startle us, O God, with your truth and open our hearts and our minds to your wondrous love. Speak your word to us. Silence in us any voice but your own and be with us now as we turn our attention, our minds and our hearts to you. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been written, ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the rabbi needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the rabbi needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the, on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As they approached the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, <clears throat> Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And Jesus said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, I had the opportunity to spend some time with our confirmands, some of our youth during the confirmation class. Our youth director, Sydney, is leading five of our youth through this class. These youth are bright and they give me so much hope for the future. Some of you are partnering with them as mentors and I appreciate the time and the energy and the love that you are giving to our young people. Well, in the lesson last week that I led, we talked about the Christian calendar, the cycle of Advent and Jesus's birth leading up through his baptism and then Lent, Easter, and so forth. And all of the youth got a gold star, well, at least figuratively, for getting Pentecost right. They knew that Pentecost was the birthday of the church. Well, this morning, this morning, I'm wondering if Palm Sunday is actually when the birth of the church actually begins. I mean, think about it. Here on Palm Sunday, the disciples begin to finally follow Jesus and become who they are called to be. The disciples find their voice, finally, and they follow Jesus. This is a birthing of a movement that's taking place, a movement that would one day be called church. I wonder what you think of church these days. When are we at our best as church? What do you dream church could be? What do you imagine that it should be? 
Today we conclude our Lenten sermon series, Spiritual Practices for the Wilderness, with the subject, Expanding Imagination. As I've shared, this sermon series was sparked by Texas Methodist Foundation and their research. In my Friday article this week, I'll include some links that will take you to more information about TMF's work and their practices. But I want you to know there is no pop quiz on these subject matters. The main thing for you to know is this. We have all been through some things these last two years, both individually and collectively as a community. And all of that has no doubt shaped who we are. And it invites us to wonder and imagine and dream what the church can be as we live into God's future. All of us have experienced so many things that we're still processing, that we're still experiencing. And like those earliest followers of Jesus, we also are being given an invitation to join a movement and to imagine a different world, a better world. It was some 2000 years ago that those disciples experienced the rise of leaders who could care less for the common good because they only cared for their own power and control. On that first Palm Sunday all those years ago, the disciples had a choice which way they would go, what direction they would take, who they would follow. Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan explained this so well in their book entitled The Last Week. They talk in this book about two different parades that take place on Palm Sunday. They write these words. Two processions entered Jerusalem on a spring day in the year 30. One was a peasant procession, the other an imperial procession. So imagine that scene taking place from one direction we see Jesus coming, riding on a humble donkey. He is cheered and praised by his followers and his message is about the beloved community of God. His followers are from the peasant class. In from another direction comes Pontius Pilate. He is coming, the Roman governor riding on a war horse. It is a majestic picture of wealth and military might. You see, Jesus comes inviting us into this movement called the church, which stands against the empire, a living and breathing body that is centered in the care of people and relationships. The early disciples, like many of us who follow Jesus, began following Jesus with fits and starts. They asked Jesus some pretty foolish things along the way, and they didn't always get it right just like us. But today, they are courageous and they begin praising God. They celebrate all the mighty deeds that they have seen in and through Jesus. And we can imagine those mighty deeds, can't we? Centered in the care of people and relationships, when Jesus was healing people and feeding people and including people, sharing table with all kinds of people. The disciples are finally paying attention and they get it. They join the movement and the invitation to imagine something better for themselves and for the world. 
They are standing with Jesus and his powerful message of love. They are standing against empire and its love for power. You know, as I consider these two parades, it is tempting for me to quickly say, well, of course we in the church are following the Jesus parade. Of course we are in his procession and not the other one. But yes, even in the church, it can become easy to lose our way. If we are not discerning, if we are not intentional about remembering our purpose, then we might find ourselves abandoning the message that is centered in the power of love. And we might find ourselves being persuaded by a message that is rooted in the love of power. I find that usually this happens when fear and worry gets the better of us. When fear and worry gets the better of us, we can fall into that temptation of following the empire and its lust for power. If you're a United Methodist, there is nothing that makes us perhaps more feel fearful or worried or perhaps sad and angry as the words General Conference. As a United Methodist congregation, we are a poor part of this global denomination that has for 40 years met and debated on matters of inclusivity. We dream of a more inclusive global denomination, hoping for more local congregations to become as welcoming as we are. But news broke in the last few weeks that General Conference would be delayed once again. And while we might be understanding about the reasonings, including COVID, the inability of visas to be renewed for those delegates traveling from far away, Nonetheless, this delay is still incredibly disappointing. Boyle, I'm sorry, Brian Doyle is a Catholic theologian. And in a recent essay, he describes two different churches. I want you to listen to what he says. There are two churches, one a noun and the other a verb. One a corporation and the other a wild idea held in the hearts of millions, millions of people who are utterly disinterested in authority and power and rules and regulations, people who are very interested, very interested indeed in finding ways to walk through the bruises of life with grace and humility. No doubt in the months ahead, when we hear about the United Methodist Church in the news, we will hear Things like trust clauses and property and disaffiliation payments. This is important stuff, but only to an extent. For such things seem wrapped up in the church as a noun, with its authority and power and rules and regulations. I myself am much more interested in being part of a church that is a living verb, finding ways to walk alongside people with grace and humility imagining and dreaming about how we are called to be, how are we called to love and serve in this present day. I'll certainly be staying in conversation with leaders here at University UMC, and we will plan for more conversation about what the news of a delayed general conference means for us here. But for today, 
For today, what you need to know is that General Conference does not speak for us at University UMC on matters of full inclusion, because we know that church is not a noun, it's a verb. And as such, we believe church is a movement centered in the care of people. We believe that we have been invited to imagine a better world and a better church for our children and youth. We believe that everyone is of sacred worth. And this means that we believe everyone is worthy of marrying the one that they choose to love and marry. This means that we believe everyone, no exceptions, is worthy of living out the call that God has placed on their lives in all levels of the church. And those, those who disagree with us, only strengthen our resistance and embolden us in our struggle for full inclusivity. It was earlier this week at one of the racial justice Linton studies that I participated in that we talked about how a number of churches are deepening their anti-racism work in these couple of years following the murder of George Floyd. We, we read an article by an African-American pastor in New Jersey who went on to say that his own congregation is in a time of discernment and reimagining how the church can be in light of the pandemic. In this article, some of us were struck by the pastor's use of the word reimagination. Pastor Willie writes, we are determined to find new ways forward, knowing that our lives depend on it. That reimagination, the reimagination of congregational care exposed people's need to know that they are still seen when out of sight, still supported during a unique period of grieving. These words speak powerfully to me, and they make me call to mind those of you who faithfully worship with us online. How can we continue to stay connected, even as we might be physically apart? Friends, in this season of so much unrest, with COVID easing but seeming to never go away, with the work of racial justice, with a denomination that seems to have no way forward, how might we expand our own imagination when it comes to loving and serving God and one another and the world? I look forward to all that's ahead. May God lead us and may the Spirit show us the way. Amen.